Well, good morning, everybody. We are GFBS. We're Grand Fork's best source on a Monday. Whole new month. By the way, happy birthday to North Dakota. We'll talk about that a little bit, too. Joining us today from District 42, Kurt Cruen, Emily O'Brien, and Claire Corey. We'll be talking with them in just a couple of minutes. Your show today brought to you by Integrity Fundraisers. I tell you what, let them help you. In as little as two weeks, they can help any school, sports team, youth group, any nonprofit. They can help you all raise money for much-needed funds. You can purchase personalized water bottles or mugs with your name and logo. We've got a couple of them here in the studios, and they are awesome. They also uh, do a lot of this stuff with the laser-engraved drinkware. They have barbecue sets, cutting boards, poker and golf sets, growlers, flasks, and more. Tell you what. With over 300 clients, including GFBS, and $3 million raised locally and over 390,000 students served, well, they can help you too, okay? Integrity Fundraisers in the Grand Cities Mall. Call 701-402-2171 and let Integrity Fundraisers help you. Well, again, if you have any questions for Kurt, Emily, or Claire, our phone number is 701-213-0863. But before we get into any of that, it's time now for our daily segment called Jokes My Neighbor Tells Me. Here we go. Jokes My Neighbor Tells Me. What's the biggest problem with political jokes? What is the biggest problem with political jokes? Well, too many of them get elected. All right. I hope I didn't offend anybody there. You guys offended. Oh, I warned you. Terribly. <laughs> my, my skin is so thick that you couldn't pierce it. Oh, good, good. Um, okay, let's. we're going to go around the table here, and uh, I'm going to introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about yourselves, okay? You can go first. Okay, well, thank you for having me back. It's been busy recently. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess since I was here last, we've basically been hitting a bunch of doors. Um, absentee people that request absentee ballots. So we've been doing that and then just doing last minute stuff before election day. Mm-hmm. Um, now you are really young. Yeah. Um, you tell us you're, you're a college student, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which I think is pretty big to have somebody doing what you're doing and representing, um, you know, college kids. And uh, okay. Now, why don't you introduce yourself, Kurt, and tell us about you? Well, my name is Kurt Cruen and I actually live in 42, like, all of us do, mm-hmm. and I've been there for about seven, eight years. Before that, I was in District 43 and uh, was in the legislature in District 43 as well. Uh, I've been, uh, most of my life, I've had my own businesses. I've had about three, four of them. Uh, one of them was Fertilon, mm-hmm. uh, commercial water, and the largest daycare in the state of North Dakota, Wonder Years. Oh, sure. And so I am retired at this point in time, and... Uh, they put, uh, Emily did that on our brochure. She's put semi-retired because I always, <laughs> <laughs> always, always. It's not like you're busy or anything, right? Right. 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 I spent 12 years on the Grand Forks City Council uh, prior to this. Actually, my first term in the legislature, I did two years uh, at the same time. I did the city council and the legislature at the same time. And so with the, the experience that I've got, I'm on the Alaris Commission and, um, and uh, East Grand Forks Chamber and Grand Forks Chamber have been on there for 20 years. Mm-hmm. And so our mix works pretty good. You sure. Did, you mentioned Claire uh, being younger. We need, we represent a, a pretty vast um, group of people mm-hmm. in our district. And so I've got some, uh, some experience uh, with government quite mm-hmm. a bit. And so 
Emily's in business and Claire's in college, and so we try to represent our whole district at this time. All right. And uh, Emily, let's talk a little bit about you. Introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about you. Yes. So my name is Emily O'Brien. I went to the University of North Dakota, did my undergrad in entrepreneurship and business management. I um, grew up in Lakeville, Minnesota, came up here for college, and haven't looked back since. So it'll be almost 10 years here in August that I've been in Grand Forks. I um, currently am the Chief Operating Officer for the Bioscience Association of North Dakota. So we help with research, development, commercializations for all sorts of sectors and companies throughout the state. Um, My boyfriend owns and runs a commercial painting and drywall business. And so we have been pretty busy with that, doing a lot of the buildings downtown, Mm -hmm. on the south end of town, um, kind of all over the place, Arizona, Texas. So we do a lot with... um, and, and and if you want to throw out the business name out there, I don't care because I really think their logo is just cool. Pace painting, yeah, is yeah, the, name. Got the, the big skull. Yeah, yeah, I think I think those are really cool. Um, okay, first off, I'm going to ask uh, you two, the younger, the ladies here. First off, um, what made you decide to go into politics, Claire? I love it. Okay, okay. <laughs> and what about you, Emily? I was asked if I'd be interested in running. And I said, okay, break this down for me, ABCs, one, two, threes, what the heck am I getting myself into? And thought, you know, why not practice what you preach? I've always told people, give something a try once, and if you don't like it, mm-hmm. you don't like it. And so threw my name out there, and we ended up winning. And I love policy and love public service and being a part of the process. And You know, I've, I've, especially this year since we formed this Grand Forks Best Source, um, I'm learning a lot more. Uh, I. I try to stay out of politics the best I can because my family is fairly political. Um, and, and I've actually been asked about uh, the possibility of running on the Minnesota side for something. But I don't know. I'm afraid people would either really love me or really hate me. But I guess that probably comes with the territory. Um, I'm going to right off the bat here, we're going to let some people know here who's watching. Tom, uh, Bailey Beergy. Hey, guys. I'm the campaign manager for him. Uh, I'm amazed ba- Bailey's not here. Karma. Uh, we would be well served by reelecting these folks for District 42 to serve in the North Dakota Legislature. Uh, Casey's watching. Kevin, uh, Andy, Joe. Oh man, we got a lot of people watching already. Okay, let's uh, keep this thing rolling. Um, election day is tomorrow. Are you glad this is finally coming to an end? Yes, we've been campaigning forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it feels like forever. And what about you, Kurt? I'm glad it's coming to an end as well. It, it, uh, with this early mail-in voting, we almost had to start in August. Sure. The middle of August uh, because the ballots were coming out and you know people were mailing relatively quick. And so you have to get out and let people know what you're, uh, that you're running. Actually, mm-hmm. uh, the big question is always is who's running right, uh, right. When, when it starts out like that. And then it becomes uh, more expensive, way more expensive. If you're putting out ads and you're putting out billboards and you're putting all that stuff out, it just adds to the cost. What we used to do in two months now takes four months. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it, it's almost it's, doubled it's more and tripled difficult. our budget. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm guessing you don't make a lot of money doing what you're doing. And, and what you, like you said, Kurt, you're just piling on more months of work. Uh, when you should get elected and then go to work, not have to do all this stuff, uh, you know. Um, I, I want to ask you guys, what are your thoughts on the early voting, the mail-in voting? 
Um, I don't mind so much the, the the early voting, going in and voting, but I just still have a problem with, with putting things in the mailbox. I didn't have a choice in Minnesota. I would have had to drive to a different city uh, to find a drop box in order to do it. So I had to mail mail my votes in. But what are your thoughts on the mail-in voting and early voting, I guess? I th- I've always been a vote on election day type of person, mm-hmm. but I think it's appropriate for certain people that, you know, and it's good that they do utilize that option. Um, I like that Grand Forks does have a ballot drop box location. Which the- isn't that easy to find, by the way. I went looking for it the other day just so I could find out where it was, but it's cleverly hidden in like downtown. In the parking ramp. Yeah. In- yeah. Right behind the parking. Yeah. Over there. Uh, your thoughts, Kurt, on, on the early voting, mail-in voting, and all of that? Well, you know, it's a, it's a privilege to vote, and it's really a responsibility of all of us to vote. But when you have such an early uh, take and the mail-in voting starts so early, people think they have their mind made up and they haven't heard all of the mm-hmm. information that's able to put out there. You can't put every bit of information out there that you have. I've got pages and piles of work here that have to be brought out in a sequence, and you can't just lay it on the voter because then it's overload at that mm-hmm. time. And a lot of times they vote without the proper information, and, and then they wish you can get your ballot back, but mm-hmm. uh, they wish they had waited a while. And so the the early voting that we used to have was, what, three or four or five days, I think it yep. was. And what we did have was a good system. It was called absentee voting. You would call or write and ask for a ballot is what you would do. And that way, if it was mailed in, it wasn't such a barrage of mail coming in all at once to the Postal Service. And there is less of a chance then to have invalid mm-hmm. ballots going around. So. Well, you know, campaigning has changed so much over the years. You know, it used to be, well, I'm whoever, I'm running for whatever, and this is what I want to do. This is who I want to help. This is what my job will be. Now it's more mudslinging, rock throwing, and especially when you look at it, it and I'll, I'll direct this one towards you, Emily, uh, like the presidential election, for, for instance, or for example, how, how could you have voted a month ago? You know, because it seems like every day they're leaking something or there's more dirt thrown. And I would imagine, as far as the presidential election goes, that there are probably a lot of people that already sent their vote in and went, ah, you know what, I probably shouldn't have done that. I probably should have waited. And, and, and like Claire said, I've always been the guy that I love to vote on the day of, um, but it's always been easy for me to vote. I drive a couple of miles to Mallory, and it takes me about five minutes, and I'm done, but it's a lot different. Do you like the early voting and the mail-in voting? I think the, um, I mean, considering, considering like what our circumstances are right now, I think it's appropriate, but I think with even the absentee, ballots um if you when you voted in the primary you could check a box and it would automatically send you a new absentee ballot for the general election well sometimes circumstances change for people within a week Mm -hmm. or three months and i mean i still think that's a significant amount of time for address changes and things like that so then your absentee you know was sent to that address if someone lived there, if they wanted, they could, you know, fill out your absentee ballot for you, sure. your name, and send it off. And so, um, you know, having those checks and balances in place, I think, is extremely important to 
verify and luckily we have a solid team that is checking you know all the ballots um, from both sides of the aisle but you know how do you verify someone's signature and so it's you don't actually have a copy of their driver's license or any sort of official ID that that was their signature it's compared to mm-hmm. their absentee ballot that they requested and so it's you know going through those processes figuring it out getting the legitimacy and uh things like that that I think aren't always looked into. Now, how many times have you been voting and you watch somebody go to vote and they just boom, 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 and they go right through everything? Do you ever sit back and think, I wonder if they probably don't even know what this measure is or who this person is, but we're just going to fill in the circles. We're going to shade them in and call it good. How important is it to get like, um, well, the Herald a couple of weeks ago, uh, they've got the uh, sample ballots. How important is it, do you think, uh, because we, we talked about this when Claire was on earlier, but um, people should actually study the ballot a little bit, uh, if they can get an example ballot to do that, but look up what some of these measures are that we'll talk about, because uh, let's face it, I, I was one of those guys, to be honest, that um, I had no idea. I had no idea who this guy was, but didn't affect me, so I thought, so I'd shade it in. Uh, the same with some of these measures, and, and it, it's important to know, I mean, like you said, Kurt, it's our privilege to vote, so you should probably vote what you really think and not just because you want to get in and out of there right away. Um, I want to talk about uh, Measure 1, your thoughts. First, you. Well, I I think that for Measure 1, it's basically, so it's, Kurt's better at explaining this. but uh, <laughs> All right. Uh, so basically, it's adding more members to the school board. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the state board of fire. Yeah, yep. state board of fire. Which, yeah. which I don't think we need. Yeah. And um, giving them longer terms too. Yeah. It. I mean, it's essentially just paying extra people. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I got a minor in psychology. Actually, I graduated from Mayville State. Yep. Yep. I knew that. Yep. Okay. Let's go Comets. I didn't, I didn't put that in there. Uh, I have to give them a plug. But anyway, I got a minor in psychology, and I remember group dynamics. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the maximum amount of people to do the best job is five. Yep. The, the next maximum that you should have is nine. Okay. We've got eight on there right now, and mm-hmm. I suspect that's probably not the right number because it should be an odd number. Mm-hmm. But you put 17 people on there, uh, you won't get anything done. And I'm a firm believer of trying to get work done when you have the opportunity to. Right. And um, we have enough problems getting information back and forth uh, with that group the way it is. And uh, I don't really think 17 people are going to make it any better. Right. And with longer terms. You know, what? A, part of the problem is, is that what they say is that the people they have on there can't make all the meetings. Well, then that should be a criteria for... Uh, being uh, appointed, you know, if you mm-hmm. if you're if you're putting on there, well, I've got this business and I'm gone uh, traveling quite a bit or doing whatever, and I can't make all the meetings. Well, then that should be a part of the criteria. Then it's the same thing with us. Uh, we we have four months, mm-hmm. not a, not two meetings a month, and uh, if you can't be there, you probably shouldn't have the job. Right, right. Well, I mean, it happens. You know, some people can, but got somebody here that uh, has got something to say about every one of you. Uh, so here we go. First, Kurt, 
Well-respected business owner who knows our community well, has lots of great experience that will be put back to great use if returned to Bismarck. Karma is the one sending these in, by the way. Claire, hardworking UD student that was born and raised in this community, passionate about politics and making our community a better place. And what she says about you, Emily, driven and hardworking, this gal does her homework and learns all sides of an issue. She takes notes, asks questions, works hard for her constituents, and community helps a lot of folks who need assistance in many ways. Uh, Ryan chirps in, voting is not a privilege, it is a right as a citizen. Well, you can look at it either well, way. Yeah, it's a right. Um, and Bailey, you guys are important to me, and I'm so lucky to work with you guys. And go vote for them. They need it. Vote for District 42. I wanted to make one clarification, though, as far as people not being able to make the meetings. There's our, there are circumstances, uh, but the, the intent is what we should have that mm-hmm. we make the meetings. That, uh, you know, we had... Uh, one individual pass away during the session. Mm-hmm. We had another individual that became quite sick and was gone for uh, half the session in the Senate. And so when they came back, they were very uh, good, uh, viable, mm-hmm. uh, giving well, information to us at that time. But there are those, but I mean on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Now, the big one um, that everybody's talking about is Measure 2. And uh, again, we have talked about this over and over again on the show here, but um, it basically boils down to let North Dakotans just do the North Dakota thing. I mean, we have all these big money people, companies that think they can come in from out of state and just tweak everything, change everything to the way they want it. Um, but money talks, let's face it, it does. But your thoughts on measure two. Okay, both of you guys are pointing at Kurt, so we'll go to you. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> what's happened in the past is if you take Marcy's law and you take uh, uh, the uh, marijuana uh, bill that we passed, uh, the uh, medical one, and they were written so poorly yeah. that, um, and they were directed, the marijuana bill was really, what they wanted was um, recreational marijuana and mm-hmm. called it a medical they didn't even make it a bill you no. couldn't even put it we had to redo it okay marcy's law is we've got district attorneys uh, uh opposing each other on how to administrate it uh, we've got one uh, as a as a victim and we've got the other one as the perpetrator, both claiming that they have to have protection under Marcy's law. Mm-hmm. These laws cost lots of money every year that we have, and especially like Marcy's law, it's constant. It went through. Uh, we made the medical marijuana, marijuana pretty good. Mm-hmm. It works pretty good now, but it took a long time to fix it. But the other thing is is that these <clears throat> what's, what we're putting into place is basically a transparency issue. If these bills come across like that and don't, they don't even meet the criteria to be in the Constitution or Century Code, either one, what we're able to do with this bill, if it passes, is we can uh, take two-thirds votes out of both chambers to send it back uh, for the next uh, general election, mm-hmm. which is two years. And in that two years, we get to have public hearings on it so people get to understand uh, and then it comes back after two years exactly the way it was before. We, t- we don't change one word in it, and it gets voted on again. And if that takes place, then it becomes law or comes in the century code again. But what, what happens is, is um, 
they've been trying to circumvent the system is what it boils down to. A lot of people can't get what they want through the legislature, so they go directly to uh, uh, a uh, write-in, mm-hmm. basically, as I call them, uh, and they are able to circumvent the public hearings, so the public doesn't know what they're really voting on. And all this is is a transparency issue, and I think it should take two years before we change our Constitution. Mm-hmm. Our Constitution is your overall arching yeah. guideline, yeah. and we shouldn't have specific bills that we would pass or not pass and put them in our Constitution. So it should go so people understand it. In our normal situation, every bill that comes through, we're... North Dakota is very transparent. Every bill that comes through gets two looks at minimum. Mm-hmm. One goes to committee, and it gets an up or down recommendation to whatever house you're in, the Senate or the House on there. And then uh, if it passes, um, it goes to crossover, and it gets two more looks yep. uh, at the other chamber. So you get four looks at a lot of bills that pass. The ones that don't pass at least get two looks. We don't even get that with changing our Constitution. Right. It just is on a piece of paper. I've asked, when I've been knocking on doors, I've asked so many people, have you looked at the measures? Yeah, but I don't understand that one. Mm -hmm. Uh, The the first one's easy to explain. You're going from 8 to 17, basically. Yep. But the second one, and it has to... The bad part is, is over the many, many, many years of writing legislation we have to be so specific and we have to have all these details in there and it confuses people and so it would be nice to have public hearings have the general public so you can just have a conversation and they can ask the questions and give the answers the way it's written we can't change that i've heard that one of the things oh we won't get the millions of dollars in the state to do this no people can still do exactly what they're doing it's just if it doesn't meet the criteria, it gets a double look and mm-hmm. it gets uh, um, transparency is what I call it. Okay. Um, and by the way, uh, anybody watching the show, if you're wondering about my shirt today and how I got this, well, it was given to me. All right. And uh, I could wear your shirts too out there. And uh, really, um, I live in Minnesota. So uh, you know what? I, I'm just a big old fat billboard. Uh, we're going to talk about um, the things that uh, you guys want to accomplish and have accomplished uh, after this, uh, you know, if you want continuous protection uh, to any indoor space, contact Pure Mist Total Indoor Environment Protection. Uh, their multifaceted process uses advanced technologies, and what it does is it destroys contaminants in the air and on surfaces. Uh, Pure Mist can protect homes, businesses, classrooms, clinics, fitness clubs, retail stores, child care centers, hotels, pretty much everything. Uh, you know what? It's the apex of indoor environment protection. Destroy surface and airborne microbes, viruses, bacteria, mold, fungi, allergens, and odors. And you know what? Active Pure, it's an FDA-tested and approved technology to reduce and eliminate SARS and COV-2. And if you don't know what that is, that's the virus that causes COVID-19. In fact, if you look over there, you can hear it running ever so quietly. Grand Fork's best source, now protected by Pure Mist. Uh, maybe you should think about protecting yourself also. You can call Chad at 763-229-7969 or go to puremistco.com. Uh, protection of every second of every day, 365 days a year. It's Pure Mist Total Indoor Environment Protection. Clean spaces, healthy people. Back 
on GFBS, State Senator Kurt Kruin, uh, State Representatives Emily O'Brien and Claire Corey on the show with us. And again, welcome back. Let's talk about things that, that you've done uh, so far in your history uh, within North Dakota government. Uh, any sponsored bills or anything like that that you're particularly proud of? Well, I, I have not been to session yet, actually, and so I was appointed after session was over. Um, but one of the things I've done was uh, I stood up for UND students mm-hmm. um, in Greek life chapters, and I wrote an op-ed, and then I've been working a little bit with legislative council and um, in hopes to draft a bill for session. Um, and so if anything like COVID would happen again, they would have a little bit more rights for them. Um, and then basically going forward, some things I'd like to do is basically anything. I mean, cause I want to raise a family in Grand Forks. Mm-hmm. And so the way I look at it is just making Grand Forks better to live in for everyone else. Um, so how much more time you have left at UND? So I'll have one semester left and so I'll probably, hopefully I'll graduate in the fall, not mm-hmm. in the spring. And then, guess, yeah. um, I don't know. All right. We'll see. All right. I'll, I want to do something, I live in Grand Forks. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that much. So. That's a great answer, though. Yeah. It is. I, I really love Grand Forks, so. Okay. Uh, Kurt, any sponsored bills you're particularly proud of? Or, 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 you know what? This is a chance for you guys to pat yourself on the back a little bit. Well, one of the toughest bills that I put through, I didn't, I co-sponsored, I didn't directly sponsor it, was what we call the Lyft bill. That is Technology Innovation Loan Fund, how you get lift out of that no i don't know who, i don't know who did that but you know if you remember last session we started out with two bills that were 50 million dollars a piece mm-hmm. the other bill this one was uh, how much emily uh, what it started out as i think it was 20 or 25 or 30 million dollars well the other two got killed right away well this one made it across from the house over to the senate and i sit on ibnl industry, business, and labor, Mm -hmm. and uh, our chair said, Kroon, that's yours. I don't know why, but he did, and that was the most difficult bill that I had to carry, but it's one of the most important because we wound up with $15 million, and we brought, Emily should be telling this story because she's the one that actually has worked on uh, bringing, bringing these businesses and utilizing that $15 million. I was in the policy side of it. She's in the business side of it, which I, I got to be on the policy side of it, yeah. too, yeah. up until in the House. Oh, OK. Yeah, and, she, and, she, and we're going to get to you, too. Yeah. So but so that was that was a big, big issue because I had to make like four amendments. I was up on the floor. I don't know how many times to get that through. And that's been a very successful build at this time. The other one that that I worked on was the Prairie Dog Bill. Mm-hmm. I actually started that out. I took our. A majority leader on a ride one day and I showed him after the western part of the state got about 60 million mm-hmm. and we got less than a million during that same time in Grand Forks and so <clears throat> we devised that particular bill and we're getting money out of it this year uh, not as much because of the downturn but we're also working with uh, utilizing some of the um, um, Legacy funds, the earnings. We're not going to take, you can't really take any of the principal out because that takes two-thirds of a vote out of yep. each side, and that's really not the policy that the public wanted us to do. But we're going to take about 3 3.5% of the earnings and put that into the infrastructure. That's part of the 
what we call the prairie dog bill mm-hmm. in order and cities uh, can utilize that money and the and that prince or that interest uh that they normally would pay is going to be paid by the uh funds of the uh, or uh yeah. it's legacy, a legacy I yep. legacy on there so those are two big bills that that we've gone through uh, one of the other things since I've been in the legislature, we've reduced property taxes by 48%. So, That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, you hear a lot of talk about uh, property taxes being high yeah. in Grand Forks. but we, um, we spend we spend one, well, actually it comes out to in, out of the general fund budget on, on property tax, $4.84 billion every biennium for reducing our property tax. Wow. Um, Emily O'Brien, what are you most proud of so far uh, with your with your time in office? So I think um, like what Kurt was talking about with the lift bill. So that was um, really important for us as a community because we have a lot of research development. And this bill, really the purpose was to get those companies that were at that point of commercialization. So your scientists, your researchers, your app developers um, to really get them across the goal line. And so we have, I think, about three companies from Grand Forks that have actually received funding out of that um, specific bill. Um, and the point at, in the beginning, um, and Kurt can attest to this as well, the bill was meant to be a grant mm-hmm. so that the funding would have been forgiven. Um, and there were members on the House side that said, absolutely not. We need this to be a loan. We need to have some sort of, the companies need to have some sort of skin, skin in the game. Um, so if something were to fail or fall back that they were either able to repay the loan or um, giving some sort of ROI back to the state. Mm -hmm. Another one um, that was really important was that I worked with Jake Bloom on it was House Bill, I think, 1171 or 1177 or something like that. Um, It was a retention bill for students that were in trade programs and that would help pay off their uh, student debt. So anyone in the trade skill, whether it be from nursing to diesel mechanic, you name it, they were able to apply for um, credits to do repayment on their student loans. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of funny because um, you see the meme, uh, Biden, I don't work for you. Um, now, don't you think that, I mean, the government should be held accountable for the taxpayers. I mean, you are representing us. And, and your thoughts on that? Go ahead. You're, you're not very talkative today, Claire. I mean, that's your job. That's why you're running, correct? Yeah. I mean, you want to help the people. Mm-hmm. You want mm-hmm. things to move forward, not just stuck in this crap that it seems like we've been going through for the last couple of years here. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, Medicare and Medicaid. Uh, I know, Kurt, you wanted to mention something about that, I think. Um, if I'm not mistaken, uh, this biennium, you know, it, it's kind of ironic that we have a pandemic, but we were looking at the healthcare system that we have, that we sponsor in the state, and uh, Medicare and Medicaid is the major component of it. Mm-hmm. And what we were able to do was partner up with the federal government, and this biennium, we increased Medicare and Medicaid expansion by 634 0.7 million dollars and what that does is it, it maximizes our, our our matching 
amounts of money with the federal government, but they can be used for the small hospitals. That's one of the things that all of a sudden we need right now. Uh, it's good for mental health, which is another issue that's coming up mm -hmm. right now. And the other thing is, is it helps uh, also the families that we have in a variety of programs that it's uh, funded. And so these things, I, I don't, I can't say we were, uh, could see the pandemic coming, but mm -hmm. we knew that these were issues that that our constituents felt that were needed, and so we worked for that, and that's where we put that that particular amount of money, and we're able to direct it. You can get money, but the hardest part is to direct it so it helps everybody in the whole sure. state. When we pass a law, it isn't just for Grand Forks, it's for the whole state. Mm -hmm. And so we have to take a good look at it and make sure that it meets the criteria. And we use some of that money, but not all of it. Um, it isn't all funded that way, but we took 20 mils off of our social service people as well, and we're paying that. And so uh, also, since we've been on... Uh, in the legislature as well, the educational funding, the state pays 74% of all the education in the state of North Dakota, and that's without the special needs or portion of it. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's a total of two, uh, I think that's another two billion uh, added to it, not the total, just added to it, 1.6 to 2 billion. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, when it gets that way, I a lot of money yeah what do you say to people that are afraid uh social security is going to run out and there won't be any available for say like me I, i'm 55 uh hopefully make it you know 10 12 more years but um what do you say it, it, could that happen it could happen but it's not realistic mm -hmm. um our our programs all the programs whether it's state or federal uh the ones the two biggest ones that we have are our health care system, social services, and our schools. And those are the primary uh, components of our whole government. Can you imagine taking that away? Oh, man. You know, no, you aren't going to do that. You have to manage it, of course, so that, mm -hmm. uh, and, and whatnot. But I don't see it going away no matter what happens because nobody is going to say we're not going to have Social Security anymore. Okay. Uh, people have put money into it. I put a lot of money into it. Yeah, yeah. Over the years, and I would not vote for that person if they were going to yeah. take it away. Right, uh, right. Um, I, I want to ask a little bit about the COVID deal and the numbers. Um, I don't know how much I trust the numbers out there, uh, but Claire, I did actually want to kind of point this one at you. Um, UND, uh, they're doing the mass testing all the time, but they're kind of offering like kickbacks to come and get tested, uh, meal vouchers, chances to win gift cards, high dollar gift cards, uh, scholarships, things like that. Do you think now you're a poor college kid, you'd love to get some hot meals. Do you think some of these kids are doing this just so they can get the freebies? And of course that's going to affect the numbers. Uh, your thoughts on that. I've had a lot of people text me over the last couple of weeks and say basically it's a bribe to get them to go get tested. But what do you think? Do they need to get tested that many times or do they need to be offering things, incentives to come and get tested? Yeah, I'm not completely sure what the incentives are funded by, if that's by student government or what. But I 
I do think that you really should only be getting tested if you have symptoms. Mm-hmm. And that's if you're sick, get tested. But if you're not sick, I, I don't think that people should be just mass testing. Right, right. I mean, it's killing small business. And, and 95% of people that tested positive for COVID uh, apparently didn't even feel sick. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of, and, and not to mention, look what it's done to the campaign for you guys. I mean, trying to get out and do your job. You guys mentioned it, it should normally be two months worth, which has turned into four, five, six months worth. And Here's my next question now. You know, everybody talks. There's conspiracy theories all over the place. But will this end after tomorrow? Or what will Wednesday bring? And any, any, if you want to chime in, go ahead. But what do you think? Do you, is, we're going to be dealing this, with this for a long time. Or is this going to end this week? I have no idea, but I just pray that it gets over because I want to spend the holidays with my family. Yeah. And I have some older grandparents. And if, if, COVID's not passed or over or whatever, that's probably not going to be a thing. So I just pray that it ends mm-hmm. soon. What about you, Kurt? I uh, Are you a conspiracy theorist? To some degree. Yeah. Because here's, here's the scenario. <clears throat> the last time I got the statistics was 2018. Uh, we, about 5,000, 4,800 and something, almost 5,000 people died in the state of North Dakota from many different causes. Mm-hmm. Number, number one was cancer, two was heart disease, uh, fourth or fifth was the flu, something of that nature. We should be making a comparison right now of to what is normal death and what is really attributed to COVID death. Out of that 5,000 people, uh, 230 people usually died out of, north, out of nursing homes. Mm-hmm. And so we should be making that comparison so that people understand that this is serious. I'm not, mm, oh, it I'm, is. I'm not trying to minimize it. It's real. It. It's real, and I'm not trying to minimize it, and we should take the precautions that we need to take if you feel that you need to do them. Mm-hmm. And in public, and, and, and if a business wants to have you wear a mask, that's great. Yep. Uh, they have that opportunity. But we should make the comparison because we are still scaring people that the minute they get COVID, they're going to die. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had, I have two friends my age that are almost still locked up in their, well, not in their basement. But but, yeah. they, they, they continuously are scared of what's going to happen. And, and if you have pre-existing conditions, you have to take extra care. But yet, let's make it real and not just try to uh, look at one number because there's no comparison being made of Mm -hmm. what's what's taking place, what's normal and what's above normal. And I think we should be putting that out there. As a matter of fact, I emailed the governor's office out a couple times. And Well, here's the thing. We got a memo last week. Uh, We do a COVID update every morning. And um, now uh, North Dakota Health, I don't know who it is or who decides this, but no longer will they say the people that died if they had underlying health issues or not, which to me is because the majority of the people that are passing from COVID did have underlying health issues. uh, And now they're not going to tell us that. They're just going to say you died of COVID or you lived. Now, Emily, do you think too many people are getting scared, uh, maybe drinking the Kool-Aid and jumping on the we're all going to die bus or I mean, again, like Kurt and I said, it's real. We get that. It's real. But 
you think they've taken this too far or not? And, and I'm going to tell you guys this right now. You don't have to answer all my questions if you think it's going to affect uh, the outcome of tomorrow. But um, I'm just wondering because I, I'm, I pick people's brains about this all the time. No, and I think, I mean, I, there's no right answer to any of it. It's, I think everyone's going to have their own different opinions on what you've been exposed to, who you've had conversation with, what information you know. Um, but I think in the beginning, yeah, it was very real that people had it, that fear, you know, locking down. Um, but now I think people are really starting to, okay, you know, it's time to get back to normal, taking extra precautions, whether it's sanitizing things down, wearing the face mask. If it, the business makes it mandatory, you don't want to wear a face mask. You don't have to go there. Mm-hmm. Um, even without door knocking and things like that, I think people have been very like receptive. Um, if you know, we have a mask in our back pocket, more than happy to put it on. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, I think people are getting uh, burnt out of it. Yep. Um, I think it is real with you know the the virus and people getting the symptoms and just making sure you know you're taking precautions and being aware. I am aware too of like the UND incentives and things mm-hmm. like that, which I thought was extremely bizarre because when you have students that are only doing online classes, <laughs> jobs aren't necessarily mm-hmm. up and running for them to be working. Why would you not go quick get tested? Yeah. And, and I've also heard now, I don't have the proof, but I've, I've just through my sources that um, uh, everybody uh, before school started at UND, teachers, uh, anybody that works there, students all had to be tested. Uh, now, say you live in Arizona and you're taking online classes at UND, you, get te- you test positive. They're counting that as a UND positive hit. And see, I just think that there's so many skewed numbers out there. If if you know, and I don't want to turn this into a COVID show, but you see the positives are going way up, but the death rate is not. That number just kind of just hovers there. So something to me doesn't really add up right. But um, I'm going to give you guys this this chance. Um, if you are to be elected, which I am totally confident that you will get elected again, but does anything need to be changed? What needs to be changed and what do you want to accomplish, Claire? Now, we're going to go through all of you. Quit pointing at him now. <laughs> well, I just want to do what's best for the people. And, you know, we had no idea that COVID was going to be happening. And so whatever bullet comes at me, I guess mm-hmm. I'll be ready to take it and work hard. Mm-hmm. So. Okay, Kurt, uh, how about you? Well, a- anything need to be changed? One of the things that we haven't even talked about is is our uh, education department as far as our medical aspect goes. Oh, yeah. Uh, what we did do in in past, it's called a maintenance certification, uh, and this is a process that physicians can be recertified from other states, maintain it, uh, and conducted through a medical specialty board rather than the state board of medicine it's more specific it's more it's quicker and i think uh, we did that with some of the military people as well so i think what what we have to do in order to get people in here to service our state when we get back up and running at full speed is we have to take down some of those barriers Mm -hmm. for the professional people and make sure that we have enough people to service all of the needs that we have in the state that's one of the Bigger so, things. Here's that's two, 
two good things, mm-hmm. but there's more to be done in that respect. So does that mean like if you are a medical doctor, you went to you went to med school, uh, you would you did all the stuff, you got your PhD, should you be able to be a doctor in every state, or why do you have to be? You know, because this is the example why I'm I'm bringing this up. Uh, my doctor, long time doctor, I have had the same doctor in Grand Forks for 25 years. Retired. There was a couple of things on my last visit before he retired that that I wanted to ask him, uh, but his hands were tied because I live in Minnesota, and he's retiring, and he's a North Dakota doctor, and and I'm just wondering if that could ever be fixed or does it need to be? That's well, like the re- that's part of this with the reciprocity, mm-hmm. and so. Um, with our Air Force base, there's a lot of families that are traveling from other states and they have license in, say, Nebraska. Yep. And they have their, all their certifications are there, but now their spouse and them have relocated to North Dakota. Okay, now they have to go through all of their testing and everything over mm-hmm. again. And different states require different things. Um, and it can go even to realtors. They have different hours yep. requirements for testing. I mean, just to be a resident. Yeah. You know, and, and it's not cheap to go get your driver's license changed every time you get transferred or move on to something else. But um, but what this has done before, they had to, what, like Emily just said, is they had to go through like a one or two year process mm-hmm. to get relicensed. Here, it's a it's a board that's set up in that, that area. If you're a heart doctor, heart doctors, you, you make sure that... Uh, that's probably not the best example, but a, a, a heart doctors examine your license, make sure that you're there. They're on that particular committee to make sure so that they can get it done in several months rather than a couple of years to right. go through that recertification. And uh, we have the same thing, like Emily said, but we have, have the same thing with uh, certification in in a lot of different areas. And I use that one as an example, but that's part of it, and probably what you're saying is if they get recertified or if they were were certified in those two states, they should have the reciprocity to give the information. Mm-hmm. Back. But that's another point that I don't remember being brought up under this bill. Okay. On there, so there's an issue we could probably take a look at just by having a conversation. And that doesn't have to be limited to medical. It can be no. cosmetology. Mm-hmm. It can be yep. sure occupational yeah. therapy. You name it. There's two hundred and some. Is it? A list of 200 and some people that have to have license to do certain things. Yeah. I mean, even for another good example is um, a concealed carry permit. Um, Why, you know, I live in Minnesota right across the river. I work in North Dakota. I spend as much time in North Dakota as I do Minnesota. But why can't that dang permit be for both states? I mean, you know, especially when you've just got the river. If you get a class one, it is. Yeah. Yeah, I know. But I I still... and, and. I don't know. I like to argue about it because I haven't got mine yet. But, um, uh, Kurt, your your dreams, uh, your hopes, what do you want to accomplish in the next four years uh, representing District 42, Grand Forks, and the whole state of North Dakota? What do you want done? What would you like to see? I'm an infrastructure guy. I, I spent 10 years getting that water plant when I was on the city council, mm-hmm. and I followed it through. Uh, without infrastructure, we can't bring in new business. They look at that. They they they, they do look mm, at it very, sure they very do. closely. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, whether it's roads, whether it's water towers, whether it's water treatment plants, whether it's sewage plants, uh, all and our bridges, all of those things bring in uh, more jobs, mm-hmm. no matter what, to build them. And then the companies come when they find out that you have a good infrastructure, that the, the things aren't going to break down. 
that's that's one of the issues on on there and i would like to continue working on uh, uh, medical side uh, we haven't really scratched that as a state yet to enhance that we have one of the premier medical schools in, in oh yeah in the country mm-hmm. people people come from mayo i don't know if you know yep. that yep. that we train and we've been doing that for a long time mm-hmm. and so we have to ex- expand on that and and make that one of our uh, goals just like um energy that's the next one i want i'd sit on the energy natural resources committee i think we should have a plethora of energy and right now the biggest restriction is transmission lines mm-hmm. so that's i've already worked with the wind people i've got i've talked to the oil people the gas people i've talked to all of those i've had meetings with them that we have to work together to bring that transmission line so we can export all of those different kinds of energies whether we got yep. hy- we've got hydro too you know mm-hmm. on there and and uh solar is starting to come yep wind and you take natural gas and you take oil and you take all of those things and put put them together and we can be the breadbasket sure of power in the united states we shouldn't have to rely on just one or the other right. you know this one is better than that one right. they've all got their their goods and their bads okay. Okay, here's one I always have to bring up is nuclear. Mm-hmm. Everybody goes nuclear when yep. you bring that up. But if you go back and look right now, the, the, the industry has excelled just like all the technologies mm-hmm. that take place. They're building nuclear plants around the world, and mm-hmm. we have to get on board with yes. that. And so uh, I went to a, a, a forum one time, and it's amazing what we can do. You know, we've never really had an accident like Chernobyl. No. In the United States. But we've gotten awful scared. So yeah. we need yep. to take a look at that. Which I, was a long time ago, though, yep. too, and technology. Yep. And, and here's a good way of putting that. You look at uh, our armed forces. Uh, say you've got an aircraft carrier or, or maybe a, a submarine. Uh, that aircraft carrier cannot go out to sea for a year. Uh, and carry all the diesel fuel it would need. Uh, a submarine can't go underwater for five months without being plump full of some kind of fuel. And, and there's nothing wrong with nuclear. And, and the pipeline, uh, they're trying to redo the pipeline. Of course, Minnesota's balking at it. And, and these people that are, I would rather see it piped underground than on our rails or on our highways. That pipeline runs right smack through my hunting land in Minnesota. And we welcome it. Uh, we think it's a great deal, but it, it just so many people holding things back. Um, Okay. Well, I was just going to say, up by Edinburgh last year, they had that, that break in the line. Mm-hmm. Did you read that in the Herald the other day, that the people were happy that they were there? They were happy with the cleanup. Mm-hmm. Everything is almost back to normal. The guy is, grew crops on it this yeah. year. Yeah. And uh, so the technology was new technology again in that respect. Mm-hmm. And so all of these things put us in a better position to be the breadbasket of energy. Sure, sure. And, and I mean, we haven't even touched agriculture, no, you know, where we're at. No, and that's, look at what uh, uh, the big freezer right across. The oh, yeah, Simplot. Simplot. Man, that yeah, is pretty impressive. Only, they've only got like three or four of those in the United States, mm-hmm. and this is the biggest one. Mm-hmm. And so that's going to come on, too, as far as agriculture goes. Then you've got the bio. You worked on that one, Emily. Why don't you give a quick. Yeah, what is that? Corn? What are they going to use for that? Or anything or what? 
The biorefiners? Yeah. yeah. So I haven't worked too much directly with them, um, so I can't talk too much about their business, but I yeah, know... But you helped bring them here. No, I, that was the EDC that did that. Okay. Well, yeah, I, oh, that was the bill I had. I, I carried... I had... I authored that bill to get their tax uh, money back for retraining. Mm. That was another issue they needed. Okay. But, I'll, I'll just kind of sum up. So, like, a lot of this... The stuff that we're working on, it's hard to pick, like, what your top priorities are because a lot of this is the domino effect. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, they all kind of intertwine and intermingle. And um, I think as a team, like, we do really well communicating with what's going on. Um, Karma had mentioned that I'm a note taker. I mean, I write every single thing down that happens in committees. And so, you know, whether it be job development and how that impacts education or, you know, students with education – you know, Claire, where are you going to go work after you graduate? Okay, what are incentives that can help retain students that are graduating back uh, to the state of North Dakota? And that comes back to having families here and insurance and small businesses and growing families and daycares and, and water and infrastructure. I mean, there's a lot of things that are all intertwined, intermixed, um, that we continue to work on. and. Mm-hmm. I joke we always keep our head on a swivel because things are changing and right. ask a lot of questions. And I'm. Uh, you said you were from Lakeville. Yep. Is that correct? I bet you you much rather enjoy North Dakota politics and the way things are going than compared to the crap show that's going on across the river. I s- smile and say absolutely. <laughs> Rocks and cows, baby. Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I want to ask you guys this uh, after tomorrow, uh, after you win. Uh, you guys going to get together, have a little gathering, or are you just going to kind of take it in stride and get to work? How about you first? Yeah, we're going to get together. Yeah? Yeah. Are you going to let us know where so we can come and celebrate with you? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Kurt? Sure. Yep. You need to take a break after four months. Oh, I bet. Yes. I bet. And then do you just take a little bit of time, regroup, and then get busy? What is it? The 13th? 12th? We'll be in Bismarck on the 11th. We have a caucus thing, Emily and myself, so we'll mm-hmm. literally just start, get ready it's, to work. Yeah, it's usually pretty much. Are you guys getting right good away. good vibes so far about uh, this whole process, and, and are you fairly confident? Mm-hmm. I mean, I would imagine you're totally confident. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yep. be, but yep. I mean, still, you never know. Mm-hmm. We've gotten so close throughout this whole campaign, though. It's so crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, kind of a good team you got going here. And I like the shirts, by the way, too. Yeah. Uh, so thank you. Anything else you guys want to talk about before we cut you loose here? We're getting close to an hour, and I know you've got things to do. But well, here's what I'd like to do is uh, during the session, do you guys work on Saturday? Uh, no. Oh. not Sometimes we do. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I get it. <laughs> I get it. To have a conversation with the public – during the session is important mm-hmm. because a lot of things come up and we don't have all the time. Matter of fact, when you go through 800 to 1,000 bills uh, during the session, you don't have a lot of time to to really communicate with your constituents. Mm-hmm. And to me, if we can get this going, this would be a prime opportunity to have just a good conversation and mm-hmm. not, not a what's formal. What's going on? Yeah, what's going on? And once... Every other week or something, or all right. So uh, you guys, you guys, you want to be regulars on here, right? Well, somehow I think that mm-hmm. would be positive. I, th- I think I think I might know somebody that could we could maybe make this work. 
Um, you guys, uh, we wish you the best luck well, I just tomorrow. To, oh, oh. I just wanted to remind everyone to go vote if you haven't. Voting is at the Larry Center right now until 6 p.m. and then tomorrow, 7 to 7. So. Yep, and the drop box that's so hard to find is uh, will be taken away at 5, I think, today. So get out and vote. Get one of your stickers. That's the only bad thing about uh, voting by mail. I didn't get the little stickers saying I voted. I suppose that'll come in the mail about a month after the election is over. But um, you guys, good luck tomorrow. Uh, We're looking forward to having you back on the show again. Uh, Kurt Cruin, Emily O'Brien, Claire Corey, representing District 42. Get your butts out there and vote. You have got till tomorrow to get that done. Hey, special thanks going out to Do So Photography for bringing you today's show. Still got time to get those senior portraits done, uh, but you should probably hurry since I think the first quarter is probably done. They also do family portraits, business headshots, corporate pics. Uh, He does incredible race car shots. Uh, You can come and look at the Do So Photography Wall of Fame here in the uh, walls of Grand Fork's Best Source. Tell you what, if you want to look the best, Do So Photography can do that. He'll come to your house too. Go to dosophoto.com or call 218 230 4325. Bob Duso's on the show quite often, and he's probably going to be on the show more. So we're looking forward to that. Hey, become a Podbean Premium subscriber, a chance for you to win some great prizes. Easy to do. You go to your Play Store, you download Podbean, search GFBS, you hit follow, you buy premium. And you are all set, and we are now on Amazon Music. Just tell your smart speaker to play GFBS Podcast. And then, uh, you know what? We want those five-star reviews on Google, too. Uh, Tomorrow, welcoming back David Waterman from the Midwest Public Health Coalition to talk about to mask or not to mask. And as usual, it's going to be an interesting one. It always is with David Waterman. Hey, make sure you like, share, and tag us. Get out and vote. We're Grand Fork's best source, giving Grand Fork's an identity again.